It is the 11 Dubcast. I am Johnny. He is Andy. Fresh off the spring game. Survived the chaos at Chittenden. Everybody's everybody's safe. Everybody's happy. All of our cars remain unflipped. Um, so, look, spring has come and gone. We we have experienced the, the spring game, which it's, it's such... Andy, I'm going to be straight with you. It sucks so much. The spring game is so bad. And I remember, I, you know we bring this up every year and we talk amongst ourselves as fans and observers of this. And we're like, is this, is this valuable? Is this something we want to watch? And it could be the literal worst product of football I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm never not going to watch it. I can't stop myself. I need it. And it could be, it could be Ryan day peeing in a bucket at, you know, at midfield for two and a half hours. I would be like, Oh, okay. What does this say about the depth chart? with the quarterbacks i don't know like i can't stop myself i just can't stop myself you just gotta overanalyze every little bit of data there's so little yeah. of it you know we gotta because it's the only data it we have that's it there's so little of it you gotta pick it apart to the nth degree and you know the, the part of the fun of sports right the reason that the, the word fanatic uh fan is short for fanatic and it's it is because we're fanatical about all of these um sports that we follow and the teams that we follow and this is the only little taste of it that we're going to get for months you know we've already been away from it for a few months so you gotta you're gonna take another hit on that pipe and pass it on down uh and, and if <laughs> and if this means you know i'm going to overanalyze the quarterback battle which you and i have talked about really isn't maybe necessarily a battle well, other than in name only we'll get into that yeah we'll get into that. but but you're going to overanalyze that you're going to worry sure. about oh what did i see out of the linebackers oh is the secondary going to be worth a tinker's dam oh <laughs> you know insert thing here that you're going to try to figure out based yeah. on a handful of plays of two-hand touch football on a saturday afternoon well, I don't think that we can make a whole lot of determinations about starters and playing time and things like that based off of, you know, a glorified scrimmage. But what we can do is maybe be surprised by how some of the players looked. And, and that's where I actually want to start. I, I agree that CJ Stroud has the inside track on this. That's what we've been saying for a little bit. And not necessarily because I think he's this next world talent, but because he's been there longer, he's... I don't think, you know, head and shoulders better than the other guys, but I think he's, he's a very good quarterback and, and definitely capable of starting and, and simply just due to familiarity. I mean, that counts for a lot in college football. So I, I just think he has the inside track and I don't know that it's, it's going to be too much drama around it. And then he, he played pretty well. I was impressed by Kyle McCord. I, I don't think that he's going to be the, the starter in the fall. He might be, but I, I just doubt it. But skills wise, I mean, you could see the guy, Drops some dimes, has probably the best arm of the quarterbacks on the team. Um, for a guy who's coming in as a true freshman, I, I he impressed me. And again, do I think he's going to be the starter? No, because true freshmen very rarely find themselves in that position. But I feel, you know, let's say that the starter that they decide to come up with isn't great in the fall or they decided to make some new changes or something like that. Um I feel a little bit more confident about the quarterback depth on this team, just having seen it in action, right? Like seeing Kyle McCord's, you know, slinging around. I don't think Jack Miller's going to be the starter anytime soon. I think he has the capability of being competent, um, but they got a good two, one, two punch, whoever they decide to go with. And I, I do think it'll be CJ Stroud, but um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's good times at Ohio state. And of course you got Quinn Ewers coming in and I don't know. I, I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling much more confident in that 
than maybe I was before the spring game. And maybe that's all that it, it needs to, to be for me. Yeah, I, th- I think a few things. One, you know, it says volumes about Ohio State's ability to continue to be extremely good on the offensive side of the ball. Like that's Ryan Day's calling card, right? Is that oh, sure. He's, he's a brilliant brilliant offensive strategist but also a great quarterback coach in and of himself right like that's uh, what he hangs his hat on and if you look he's put a couple guys into the league now we, we know justin fields is league bound uh you know I, I think the smart money is probably on the 49ers but that's a fun fun debate uh and and, and dropping of uh social media knowledge clear up until <laughs> until draft day so if you're a young quarterback you mentioned uh quinn coming in here directly you, you want to come work with a guy like Ryan day because of his track record and what he's done. And then for, if you're an Ohio state fan, you're not necessarily thinking like an individual quarterback prospect. You're looking and saying, gosh, you know, it's not that long ago. Ohio state needed three quarterbacks to get to the postseason. Uh, having two or three serviceable quarterbacks that you could plug and play is a happy thing. Now, how long will all of those young men stay with the program? That's a, I think a reasonable date, the debate that will be had, but in the short run, at least you could say, Hey, they've got a, They've got a couple of really great options. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, in, in top to bottom offensively, first of all, it's really hard to tell, you know, the running backs when you're playing two-hand touch. Like, there's no – I mean, I really want to see Trayvon Henderson kind of do his thing. You have no idea what that looks like because it's just so – it's so messed up when you're not playing tackle, which I don't blame him. I get it. Uh, but at the wide receiver room, I mean, holy crap, just top to bottom. I mean, yes, you, you've got Chris Olave coming back and he's going to be Chris Olave doing Chris Olave things. And, you know, you've got a bunch of, well, that was the other funny thing, actually, with Trayvon Henderson. I, you didn't see a whole lot of them uh, in the running game because you don't, again, you don't really know what that actually looks like. But in the mm-hmm. passing game, he did a really great job. Um, but man, they are so deep in some of these skill positions. And that is what a blessing i i am just i am so excited you know seeing some of these dudes out there and and just you know kind of even at a really the true freshman coming in the, the guys who are so highly rated and just immediately making an impact catching a bajillion ba- passes uh making it look easy it, it's 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 a testament to both the recruiting and the coaching and uh ohio state at the very least right some people thought, okay, well, you don't have our old Justin Fields throwing the ball. They're still going to be probably the most dangerous passing team yeah. uh, among the Blue Bloods at the top, you know, five, ten teams. They, they are going to be really scary in the fall, and I think that's awesome. I You want to have a complimentary running game, and we'll see what that looks like. But, yeah, in the passing game, they're going to be tough. They're going to be real tough. What I think is really exciting about it, after watching uh, and seeing, like you say, great arm strength out of – both guys being able to extremely accurate. I really appreciated Dan Hope took the time uh, and, and had a great piece over the weekend, analyzing literally every throw from all three quarterbacks and, you know, mapping it out graphically uh, their accuracy at different portions of the field and so on. Uh, and that was, uh, that was really helpful to look at and see, okay, how did they do with distance? Now granted, you know, they knew they weren't getting their head knocked off anytime soon, but comparing them to a Justin Fields, I'd say uh, all three guys had a better spring game than Justin Fields did when he arrived on campus. You know, he had a notoriously yeah. terrible spring game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> People are like, what the hell's going on with this dude? Right. And then he ends up being, you know, one of the finest quarterbacks in the country anywhere. But the thing that really excites me about seeing how well these guys did and, and the offense is exactly what you said, the depth they have, the skill positions. I still think the offensive line is going to be extremely strong. Yep. 
Ohio State's defense last year had some glaring uh, issues, right? Like, sure. They, they, well, Demario McCall's a, now a D back, a, you know, defensive back. So that's, that's well. Taking, so, so what I'm, what, what I'm what I'm suggesting is that Ohio State made it to the national title game with a defense that had some deficiencies. Right. So, to me, I'm looking at Ohio State's offense and saying, well, regardless of what happens with the defense, this offense can get them there. Like, yeah. I, you feel like with the the guys they have back and and these quarterbacks seeing what they could do Saturday, you feel confident that this offense isn't going to suddenly fall off the cliff and the wheels come apart. Right. And one of the things that was pointed out is like it, it really is the the same kind of offense that you saw last year, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, but you want quarterbacks can, that can play to those same strengths that Justin Fields had that you can keep that rolling. And I, I see that in at least CJ Stroud, he was running the essential, the base offense that Ohio state has had for, you know, a couple years now under Ryan day, he was running that really well. Um, I think Kyle McCord's capable of doing that at some point. So I, I just, you know, you're right. Like the offense, the skill level that they have is to the point where you don't have to, Yes, there's going to be some deficiencies that you to, you know cover up a little bit. That's going to be tough to deal with. You're not going to be super, you know, I think happy with the defense at all times in the secondary. But overall, man, I, I I'm with you. I think the offense is just so dangerous. Here's the other thing, though. I also really love that you've got a guy like Jack Sawyer back there who, you know, he credited him with like what, like four sacks or something like that. Um, obviously, there's no way to really quantify that because if you just touch the quarterback, he's basically down. But right. Um, still really freaking good and just annihilating whoever was in front of him on the offensive line. That's fun to see. And, and really, especially when you're worried about, um, you know, leadership and, and, you know, you're losing some guys and all that kind of stuff. You, you want to have a dude who is that kind of a threat. Um, they got well, it. Well, to me, gotta... that's, to me, that's the story of the spring game. Frankly, it's like I, the, the quarterback thing didn't necessarily show me anything that I wasn't sure prepared for already right I, I i don't know that i necessarily learned anything new. i'm i'm assured reassured uh i feel good about the offense but seeing jack sawyer come out there and and look like he's ready to be the next man up you know Ohio immediately just, like, yeah had, i mean larry johnson i i feel like the biggest larry johnson stand there is because i i feel like i talk about him about every three episodes and how amazing he is at at not just uh, you know, the, the basics, but like making these guys professionals, like you could really look and see Sawyer's use of his hands. You know, they always talk about like the Boses and Chase Young, mm -hmm. how, how, how dangerous they are with their hands and what they're able to do that your average lineman doesn't. And he already has that, right? Like the technique that Larry Johnson teaches these guys and they just, you know, they buy in whole hog. Um, and you can see it already. Yeah, he, like you say, in a in a situation that isn't necessarily live goes uh, per se, and seeing him get guys to ground, but I don't have any doubt that he's going to be able to get guys on the ground uh, and keep quarterbacks like hearing footsteps all night long right. when he's ready to go up against Big Ten offenses. It's going to be pretty fantastic to watch. Yeah, I, I just think overall this is a team with a lot of really great individual talent. Um, yes, there are going to be some kind of deficiency, but as you said, like, you know, one guy, like a Jack Sawyer, one guy can really help the rest of the guys behind him, um, you know, in the secondary linebacker. So I, you know, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching this kind of evolve going into fall. I will say there was one thing I want to kind of leave on this topic, uh, with is that 
I was really interested. Um, Josh Perry and, and James Laurinaitis were two of the guys doing commentary on the game. And they both had an interesting conversation about when Ohio State and, and Urban Meyer were trying to decide between who was going to be the starter, right? Cardell Jones or JT Barrett. And Perry was like, you know, that that went all the way into the Virginia Tech game. Like the team literally took the field not knowing who the quarterback was going to be, who the starter was going to be. And he seemed pretty pissed about it. He seemed like he was like, you know what? That's not how we're going to – that's not how you should go about it. And James has kind of agreed. That's something that you want to figure out the first or second week of camp at the latest. Um, that's what I'm looking for going into fall camp. Mm-hmm. Do they have a definitive idea going forward about who the starter is going to be? They don't necessarily have to tell the media and they, they may not, right. but you know, if there's any kind of access that's granted, you know, we'll be able to suss that out and figure out what's going on. I, I just 100% agree with that. You cannot take a quarterback competition into the first game or even really beyond the first couple of weeks of camp. So I don't think they will. I think they'll figure it out. I, I do think it's going to be CJ Stroud, but I hope whatever they decide, they decide quickly because that to me is what could mess up some of the rhythm that this team could develop with all the talent that they have. If you don't have a clear idea about who you're going to be on offense, um, that could really kind of mess some things up. So I, I don't expect that, but that's what I'm going to be looking for going into uh, going into the fall. I think I also it, I also don't put things like that past an urban Meyer, you know, to like, Oh, we're just going to oh, carry sure. this through to the nth degree. I, I don't think Ryan, Ryan day's that guy. I, think, I agree. I think he will pull the trigger and not feel bad about it. That's sort of you know, I say this based on my deep personal knowledge of the you know, <laughs> brain, but right. it just, you know, that's you what he was get, saying when he was over at your house last night. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking yeah. about it over beers and uh, right. he, he doesn't put me in the mind of a guy who's just going to string this out and overthink it. He's going to say, here's our guy. And you know, he'll have a plan for whoever's QB number two and it, it is what it is. And he'll move on. I don't think this is something that will be debated clear into September. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So it'll be fun to see how it, it kind of evolves and changes over uh, the next few months here. And, you know, there's still a lot more to talk about because they're going to be trying to figure out, um, you know, starters and, and depth chart and all that kind of great stuff. And yes, on they'll have their voluntary, I'm making air quotes, workouts. And, and that will also be something to kind of suss out and, and figure out, uh, you know, who's looking the best to the coaches and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Um, another thing that I want to hit on real quick, Ohio State doing work on the basketball end, trying to shore up their uh, their roster a little bit. I know that's something that, you know, people hope that Chris Holtman and company would focus on in the off season. They've brought in uh, Joey Brunk, which is like, he's from, you know, he's, he, he went to Butler, Indiana. I think it's like a six year of eligibility. He'll have um, big dude, almost seven foot. He's coming off an injury. I, they need another big guy. I think that's good. I think he has a capability of doing some good things for Ohio state. I just am amazed that they were able to pull in a guy who was so clearly well-suited in both name and appearance for Wisconsin <laughs> to the Buckeye state. So I appreciate that. I'm glad, I'm glad they were able to get, uh, you know, a prototypical Wisconsin big man um, and said, have them come to, uh, so I say, and, and we know of course now that we're getting an, another big man back, right? Kyle Young's or Kyle Young's coming back and, and that'll be really helpful to Chris Holman and company as well. So maybe you're gonna have some pretty solid interior defense, which is something that eluded them for large stretches of, the, of time last season so i'm I, excited I, about I, mean, that. I, I think that you know so i want to start with kyle young 
story because to me that is a huge story uh, yes. because I, I think his absence from the NCAA tournament was a very underrated storyline uh, in in terms of why Ohio State didn't make it past Oral Roberts. I, I think young in the game makes a huge difference. You know, he's 6'8", 225, he's a big body, but he just did a lot of things really well throughout the season you, you mentioned the defense but he also provided some key offense at times you know he he was not afraid to make the offense happen when it needed to I I just thought he had a really low-key great season and his absence mm -hmm. was a big deal so him coming back really shores up some things for for Ohio State which is a team I think you know we talked about a few weeks ago uh, goes into the season with pretty high expectations you know people I think have a lot of respect for Chris Holtman in this roster and and yeah adding Joey Bronk who I have fallen in love with um, having known nothing about him whatsoever but in seeing that his Twitter biography is and I quote Matthew McConaughey with a baby hook I I just <laughs> and and when I look at his little commitment graphic picture That's there on sick. Twitter I'm like oh he is Matthew McConaughey like uh, with with a little little beard action it's uh, pretty good yeah, it's pretty comical, and I love that. Uh, I love that you, when you have these basketball players, you know, whether it's whether it's Evan Turner embracing his role as the villain, or you know, these the, the guys that just they know what their character is. Right, know? like every every player on a team sort of has a has has a character that they're playing. Right, uh, so I love that you've got a guy who knows his character. But look, um, what's the what's the stat sheet on this caddies? So uh, let's see, six uh, six eleven two fifty five. Yeah, they needed that action on the roster. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're going to get a guy who'll get you about 20 minutes a game. He'll, he'll clog up the inside. He'll do some good things defensively and he'll, he'll hit, you know, he'll hit those baby hooks and, and get offensive rebound. Like that's what you want. That's what yes. you're asking for. Need it. Need it. Especially when you need somebody who can, you know, God, go toe to toe with some of the other huge ass dudes in the big 10. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not really fun sometimes to watch a, you know, a six, eight, six, nine Z key go up against a dude who's seven, two, <laughs> seven, three um it, it's not really always ideal so this this adds to the roster you mentioned um you know like experience expectations all that kind of stuff this is a team with eight seniors on the roster right now yeah. um that there, there's going to be some pretty high expectations going into next season and uh you know with the transfers that you get and the fact that maybe you sh you know like i said you shore up your interior defense a little bit Hopefully that helps you out. And then of course you've got guys coming in who, uh, you know, especially in Branham who can maybe make an impact. So I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Liddell um, and, and, you know, and, and what's going to happen with uh, uh, his, you know, his fellow compatriot, right. Uh, who's, who's testing the waters. Um, oh my gosh. Why am I blanking on what is it? Washington. Yeah. 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 Dwayne Washington. What am I saying? Oh my gosh. Dwayne Washington Jr. And EJ Liddell. And, and, you know, those are both those guys like on one hand, you, you kind of separate on one hand, do you say as, as a fan of them as individuals, you know, you, you hope they get a chance to chase their dreams. And, and the other part of you is a selfish bastard who roots for the team they currently play sure. for. You hope they come back for another year. Cause uh, th those two guys come back uh, along with Kyle Young and, and uh, now adding Joey Brunk, you just look and say, this is, this is a team that was already one of the most potent offenses in the country. If they can shore up uh, defense there by, by adding a big in the middle, that man there's you know the sky's the limit because you saw them beat some of the best teams in the country right. uh more than once this last season you know tournament can be a bit of a crapshoot look you know it's uh it, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough road to hoe sometimes the or roberts loss is what it is uh although they went on and had a nice little run in the tournament so you know 
guys uh, hold your head up but you were you were right there with them to the end i think the thing i like about um uh, what what holtman's done i i keep watching saying he makes he makes smart um offers to you know both new recruits and transfers you know he knows what he needs and and he's going out and getting it on the transfer wire which is cool we Mm -hmm. think um you know we think the the recruiting is improving on the front end it's not just hey we're not just going to be transfer you that's good and i you know i I like where the program's heading i do i do agree year five is going to be uh going to be a big one he's he's got to get past the first round of the tournament no question yeah. But, but, you know, if you have another season like you did last year and you, you know, you make it into that sweet 16 echelon, then, you know, Hey, all is right in the world. The other thing I kind of got a kick out of uh, one, one last thing before we close the file on Joey Brunk, I loved uh, the dude on Twitter who replied in commenting that uh, Brunk had been at Butler, Indiana and Ohio state, you know, he's, he's basically Thad Mata. <laughs> <laughs> That guy's going to make the rounds, you know? Hey, I mean, you know, that's, and it feels like that's the Midwest, you know, kind of like dream. Like, okay, well, we'll go to the the small mid-major and, and do our thing. And then we'll hit up the bright lights of Indiana. And then, you know, maybe if we get a chance, we'll go to the, one of the, the, the big state schools, right? And, and see what, you know, is going on there. I, it's just interesting to me because Ohio State in general, um, there's been a lot of grousing sometimes about, how Holtman and company have kind of constructed the team and, you know, maybe it's not as intentional as it should look and all that kind of stuff. Uh, There's a lot of options. And let's say Liddell and Washington do decide to dip. uh, There's still going to be options. There's still a lot of flexibility that they have in part because of the extra year granted to people in part because the transfer portal is freaking bumping. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, yeah. What are like 1800 people in the portal? It's, it's, it's super wild right now. And I've said this before. I mean, people wring their hands like, Oh gosh, is there going to be, is there going to be free agency in, in college? There already is free agency. It already exists. It's already there. Just deal with it. It's okay. And especially it's okay. If Ohio state continues to be fairly successful in, in basketball, uh, free agency, uh, as they have been, um, so, you know, I'm not sweating it too much. I think Holtman has a lot of options no matter what happens. And right now, I think the makeup of the roster, you know, let's say Liddell and Washington decide to stay, is pretty damn good. It's a pretty good team. They've gotten better. They haven't gotten worse. And um, I'm excited to see how they play in the in the fall. I, You know, it, it sucks because you watch a team that underachieves in the tournament. I mean, you know, you're losing to, <laughs> you know, a team that clearly was better than maybe people thought when they were playing Ohio State, but still a team that you wish you would have beaten. Um, and you've got to wait so long to kind of redeem yourself. And what really sucks is that that team that thought they were, you know, they were hot going into the, you know, 2020 tournament. Obviously, a tournament doesn't happen. They completely blow it in 2021. I cannot imagine what it must be like at this point for some of those guys, because now you've got, I mean, yes, you might have a really successful season, but then you've got to wait until next March, another 11 months to try to make your, your, you know, mark on this thing. It just, I don't know. That's, that's a lot of work to be putting in. It's a lot of patience that they have to show. And luckily they've got the senior leadership to do it. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, you make a good point. They're talking about, the tournament last year not having happening and you kind of like this chance to prove yourself if you will i i really got to thinking about it um you know, ohio state's women's team 
uh, lost a good one, I think, there in, in uh, Dorka Yuha's. Um, yeah, uh, was, heading up was, to UConn. Yeah, and I was reading the, you know, she 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 did an interview, and I wish I could remember because who, who did the interview with her, but she talked about the fact that, you know, she's been playing basketball at a really high level low these many years and has yet to be in the NCAA tournament. That's one of the reasons she transferred was, right. you know, to have a chance and she wants to, you know, play at the next level and so on. And, and she certainly has the tools to do that. But if you look, you know, Ohio state missed the tournament, uh, her first year, second COVID then it didn't happen this year. They have this nonsensical postseason ban. Um, and I say nonsensical because of, you know, the fact that the ban hurt players who you and I talked about this on the show, uh, had already been injured because, you know, a former employee was harassing them. Right. Um, it was, you know, horrible situation, but you, you look and say, geez, you know, three, three years of not being in the tournament. That's a long time yeah. to not be in the tournament here. In this case, you're talking about, okay, guys, uh, we're in the tournament this year, but you're going all this time to try to get to the mountaintop. We, we sort of, I think as you know, fans take for granted, like what that must be like for the players. Cause we only right. think about it through our lens of, being able to, you know, stick it to a Michigan man or you know, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, that's why I also can't fault these guys for making some of the decisions that they do because it's just, it's so much time. And you know, when you're in college and you're in early 20, like the, you're thinking about your next step, like what you want to do, what you want to do next. And I don't mind the transfer portal. I don't mind the de facto free agent. I don't mind any of that stuff. Cause it's, you know, like we've said, it's just, you've got to make choices that are best for you. And, uh, you know, three years is a long time to wait when you're in college. I, I got to say, like, that's just, that's, that's a long time to have to deal with stuff. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I'm excited for the the future of both football and basketball. I think that'll be a lot of fun, um, especially as, you know, fans get to be back in. And it was good to see fans in the shoe, right? Lastly, I forgot to say this about the spring game, it, the normalcy, the, the small sense of normalcy that it brought with it uh was a, also a real treat that was also really fun to to be able to see and you know, no it's not packed right you know there aren't tons of fans there and not everybody's going crazy or anything like that but it's a small it's a small thing and uh you know you get to watch the reds and their reds fans in the stands and it actually feels pretty much the same as it normally would because you know it's, they're about quarter full and you're like okay i can <laughs> that's something i've seen before and i understand you know so it just it feels like things are slowly getting back to normal. Nature is here healing. And, and hopefully as people, uh, you know, continue to get their vaccine shots and all that stuff, we can see more of that. So that'll be fun. Shout out again um, to the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Yep. And, uh, got uh, Pfizer number two on Monday at Fantastic. Schottenstein Center. And I just want to want to tip the old cap to the professionals staffing the shot at the shot clinic. Extremely efficient. 30 minutes in and out the door and uh, just really, really appreciate those frontline workers who are, and, and not just the, not just the doc that sticks the needle in your arm, but uh, you know, the, the Schottenstein center ushers who are there helping oh, people. Yeah. And I mean, they're the whole production. There's, yeah. There, there's a whole uh, cadre of people who made that happen and they've done a really nice job with it. So hats yeah. off to, to the folks at the wax. Well done. Absolutely. So uh, we want to remind you that the Dubcast, the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. It's awesome. Check it out. Let's do some Ask Us Anything. As always, you can ask us anything by sending us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And when we say ask us anything, we mean literally ask us anything. We love answering questions. It's 
it's what I do. It's just, it's fun. Um, especially like I said, in the off season, you know what I mean? Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta have the questions. Um, so here we go. Let's, let's go ahead and start with our good friend, Alvin, and he's gonna really get some existential dread in this podcast, <laughs> which I always enjoy. Um, if you could redo your college degree and career path, what would you have done differently? Oh, yeah. Um, you well, I'll start. This is, this is, I guess, easy enough. I, when, when I got to Ohio state, well, I should say, I shouldn't say that way before I applied to Ohio state, I sort of operated under the assumption, um, because I had watched the classic Aaron Sorkin film, a few good men, um, at least 700 times, probably yeah. that my career Great path movie. was, I was, I was going to study like political science, probably uh, at Ohio state, you know, go to law school and, and get in the jag. Um, that just, you know, that was really appealed to me. And mm-hmm. what ended up happening because I was a high school VOAG student uh, involved in FFA and really loved it. I had a great experience in FFA my senior year, traveling around the state, visiting schools. And I wanted to uh, be a teacher. I totally shifted gears and went to Ohio State to be uh, to, to study ag education. Um, the only two schools I even applied to, Ohio State and the University of Southern California. And I never visited USC much to you know, my chagrin. So, you know, Missed opportunity. yeah, yeah. But a little bit, a little bit. And so like it, there's, there's that part of me that always wonders, you know, if I had taken the other leg in the trouser legs of time and gone that route, you know, gone to USC and studied something like poli sci, what, what would I, I be? See, I can see Andy Vance on the beaches of LA with the sunglasses and chilling, you know, you know like, uh, it, it's so funny I because see that the stunning Mrs. Vance always laughs at me because every time Pete Carroll comes on TV on an NFL Saturday, you know, I always, I always curse him. I, I I call him slippery Pete. And, you know, I'm like, I I always, because he got out one step ahead of the sheriff and my man, Senator James Patrick Tressel, the, the, uh, the, the man to whom I have pledged undying fealty, you know, got shunted off to being like vice president of student happiness at Toledo or wherever he was at the time. And I was just (laughs) like, you know, things have worked out for, for coach Tressel, don't get me wrong. Like he's, right. you know, best university president in the country, uh, saving our own, uh, president Johnson, who was fantastic. But at the time, like I was, so I had all of this anger that Pete mm-hmm. Carroll got away with it. And Jim Tressel, you know, got shoved aside onto his sword for like nothing, you know, the, right. the dumbest scandal he got, he got, okay. He lied to the NCAA. Woo, woo, woo. But who, you know, who hasn't, who he, hasn't Andy, well, at this everybody point now, time, you know, like the I've probably lied to the NCAA in history. I just, so anyway, all that to say, but um, there's a, there's a part of me that has often wondered, had I gone the other route, you know, if I had taken the left fork and gone to SoCal and studied poli sci, like, <laughs> what would I be doing today? You know, it would be hedonistic world of political science. I mean, it would be, it would be different in every conceivable way, you know, aside from like, there are obvious things like, okay, I probably wouldn't be hosting the 11 dub cast. I wouldn't be, you know, married to the dance and I wouldn't have my daughter, you know, like, cause these are all things that happen because of the sequence of events that happened in your life to put you into the position. But that's, yeah, I, but I, I don't have any regrets either. I've had a great career in agriculture and media uh has been very rewarding and fulfilling um but but i do you know because i i'm a news junkie and so i watch you know things that are happening in the world around me and i often wonder huh you know would i have been in dc would i have been in a state government somewhere would i have been you know whatever who knows right 
Yeah, I, what about you? Well, that's the thing because I do think some of those decisions you make in college. I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad our good friend Alvin asked this question because it really does make you think, right? Like, it, it, there's so many branching paths based on some of the decisions that you make as like an 18, 19 year old. Yeah. Uh, which I'm kind of glad I didn't really appreciate at the time because it probably oh, would have no. I mean, Talk about incurring that existential dread you mentioned. Yeah. Like, if you understood, if you understood at 17, the momentity of, oh, I think I just made up that word. I'm not, no, so it's sure. a great like, word. Is that a great word? Okay. Like if you understood, like, I, I just don't know how that doesn't cripple you. Yeah. From I'm saying, Oh God, it. because I don't think I would have handled that very well. I'm like, no, nah, maybe I'll just stay at home. That's fine. That's I'll stay yeah, at home under the bed. So nobody right. can hurt me. And I'll Cause be- for me, it was like, Oh, I want to teach ag. I'm going to Ohio state. Like it was a very easy decision. Right. Like, I was just like, oh, yep, that's the thing to do. Boom. Oh, and and like, like I, I mean, I had for probably four years, this vision in my head of, of you know, like poli-sci law school, et cetera. Sure. And like, when I look back on it, it was pretty capricious how hard I dumped that. Like, it was just like, <laughs> oh, I had some fun times at FSA camp. I'm going to be an ag teacher. Boom. And like, that was, and I've never done that either, by the way. But, sure. you know, like, I got into radio my freshman year and that the, the rest, as they say, is history. But yeah, as a as a 17 year old, I had no concept of the, and, and I was, by the way, like, I think more in tune to that than your average high school student. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's something about youth that you just, you just downplay that. Right. Like, yeah. it's like, Oh, it's not that big a deal. Right. And it'll and all work out. Yeah. And I think that's part of, so we can actually make those decisions without completely losing our minds. Um, I had wanted to be a social studies teacher, high school social studies teacher for a while going into college. And, you know, I'm happy with the decisions that I made. I, you know, I, I'm glad that I got, you know, my my bachelor's in history and then eventually my master's in education, I, even though I only got it because it was a requirement by the state. Yeah. But I still I'm glad I have those things. I think if I I'm not saying I necessarily would have made this choice, but I wish I would have explored it more which is I really love geography and, and not just like maps and things like that, spatial geography, but I love like studying human geography and things like that. Um, and there was a whole academic world that I was not familiar with when it came to the discipline of geography as a, an academic pursuit, right? Like I didn't understand how it could be something that you could major in and then apply to the real world and um, you know, make it into a career. I didn't understand any of that. And I didn't really appreciate it until I started taking a lot of uh, geography classes in college because that, that was my minor. Um, and I think the more I learned about geography, the more I liked it. And I, I really wish that I maybe had explored doing a double major with history and geography or something like that, because I genuinely love that. The theory of it, the ideas behind it, it's just fascinating to me. And yeah. You know, there's some like I've <laughs> I actually wrote a post Eleven Warriors. You can probably do a, a search for this. I actually related something called time geography, and I will go on and on and on about that because it's just this fascinating concept. And I wasn't presented with those ideas in high school, and so I think that's another thing about making these decisions when you're so young and right out of high school yeah. is you, you, there's so much you don't know, and not that you're dumb. It's just you haven't been able to explore these ideas. Um, so I kind of wish I had the foresight to realize that there was going to be something I didn't really understand and then maybe given a geography major a chance. I think that would have been cool. I mean, I think the thing that's really interesting about, about that, and, and this is, you know, bigger picture philosophical concept. I, 
I get frustrated sometimes um, that we have, we have in a lot of ways turned college into a really expensive job training program. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said for the traditional liberal arts education that you're, you're trying to create, you know, well-rounded, well-reasoned citizens uh, more so than automatons ready to go and plug and play into a job. And, and that's right. in a lot of ways, in a lot of majors, um, that's sort of what we've turned college into in a lot of ways. Like you're, mm-hmm. the focus is on job and understandably so because you're rolling out of college, you know, with $50,000, $60,000 worth of undergraduate debt and God help you if you decide to go on to grad school and <laughs> don't have a fellowship or something. Um, yeah. It's, you know, so, so I get it. Like I'm, I'm an economist at at heart and, you know, people respond to incentives. And so the incentive is to figure that shit out and go get a job. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a part of me that says everything that you just described, like not really understanding what that, what this subject matter was, was there a career opportunity there? What would that have looked like until you were exposed to it later on? The theory would be that if you had, you know, gone into the traditional liberal arts type of education rather than thinking about it all in terms of I'm going to go learn to be a social studies teacher. Right. Like, would you have been exposed to these things and made a different decision? But I feel like we all, and, and I think about this now, especially as a parent, you know, now thankfully my kids, you know, 10 years off from having to toddle off to college. Mm-hmm. But, but like, I think about that, like as a parent, you know, how do you, how do you a set your kid up for success in being able to go get a job and be, you know, employable and, and earn a great living and all those sort of things while also not like trying to encourage them so much that they try to have it all figured out before they get on campus the first day, like go and take some yeah. electives and get an internship and figure that crap out on the fly. Don't, don't try to pre-plan it. But then again, the people who are maybe most successful by the traditional measures of success had that all figured out before they went off to Harvard or Yale or wherever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a big part of it is just have a plan, but be open to be flexible and, and to change it. You know what I mean? Like that's, and that was the thing. Like I was very steadfast in what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but in part, because I think, and maybe this is advice I tell my students a lot. I'm like, look, don't, don't psych yourself out when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because I went into college thinking that I was going to flunk out at any given time. And so I had to do X, Y, and Z because I knew I could do it. And therefore I would not flunk out. Were, were, were you a good college student? Were you? Were I was you... a good college student. I, I had a pretty good GPA. I didn't get like honors or anything like that. I think I graduated like a three, three or something like that. And, and like, uh, did you, I mean, did you really have to work at that or? Um, or... Eh, I could have worked harder. I probably could have gotten like a three, five or something, but like, I was a, I was not a good high school student. I did not have a good high school. GPA. Oh, okay. All right. And I, that's where a lot of that came from because my freshman year, I had like a 1.8, my sophomore year in high school, I had like a 2.2. And so yeah. I was just like really nervous about that stuff. I had that ingrained in me. And, um, you know, I, I think sometimes people like they, they want to be successful to the point where they lock themselves into a path. And, and that's understandable. Like I totally get that. Cause I've, I've lived that life, but it's okay to branch out a little bit too, and maybe take an intellectual risk. So I, I, I don't know. I, that's I, a, I just find it interesting that you say you describe it that way. Cause I was the opposite where I was an exceptional high school student. Yeah. And you know, I was a terrible college student. I mean, mm. really like really bad, really, really bad. Uh, so I just, I, I find that interesting. 
Uh, and there's part of me that wishes I had struggled more in high school because I would have taken college more seriously, but I, you know, kind of believe my own hype videos, uh, <laughs> when I got to Ohio state and I was like, yeah. oh, you know, I, high school was easy. College will be too. And it, and it just frankly wasn't. It, yeah. Well, and I also think some of it is just a setup, right? Like I, I chafed in high school. I chafed at the, uh, the scheduling and the, the things like that. I just didn't like people telling me when to do things and, and how and, and whatnot. Rebel. And I, yeah. And I enjoyed the freedom that, that college kind of gave with that and my ability to, you know, finish a, an essay at four 30 in the morning and then, you know, <laughs> submit it at eight. Like I, that worked for me and it's not a healthy thing long-term, but college isn't really real life. So yeah. it was fine. Um, but I also, you know, it, I think everybody kind of wonders how well they would have done if they had changed their approach to things. Because if I had the type of work ethic that I do now as a 36 year old man, I think it would have destroyed college. I would have, you know, gotten yeah, right. days in every class because I would have known how to handle my work a little bit better. Yeah. I was um, much better as a college student at 28, 29 when I went back to finish my degree yeah. than I was at 18, 19. No right. question. No and that's, and that's just, you know, a process of being older and, and yeah, going maturity. Out things mm -hmm. So that's a great question, Alvin. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those what ifs. And I was actually, it's funny. You, it's funny. You asked that question because today I was just kind of idly like, man, could I go back and like get a geography degree? I was looking at the offerings that Ohio state has and I don't know, maybe that's something I'll do at some point. Um, this, we have a nice set of questions here. I'm very, Matt in Minneapolis and uh, you know, a, uh, a young contributor as well has a, a whole slate of questions for us. I'm really excited about this. So we'll start with this. All right. A proud SOB, by the way, Matt, uh, number 740, uh, area code 740. So congratulations to you. Thank you for submitting that. Um, okay. So from Kieran, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Spider-Man and follow up. What, who was our favorite turtle and why? So I, I mean, this, I gotta, I just gotta ask, I wish I could ask the impetus for the first question. Uh, Ninja Turtles. It's an eternal question. Ninja Everyone Turtles would or want Spider Man? The answer to this. Like, that to me is like, well, which do you prefer, you know, jelly or like Nike shoes? Like, I'm just, these are two <laughs> totally. Both comic book, they're both comic book characters. <sighs> they're quippy ninja ish. Okay. They bounce around. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. Uh, I get it. You know, and boy, hmm. so if we're talking strictly comic books, Spider-Man, I, yeah. I definitely had Spider-Man, but I have to say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was absolutely one of my like top, top five, probably cartoons as a kid. Hard to overrate like late eighties, early nineties. Oh my God. Turtles. So good. Really, really amazing. So good. And the live you know, action I, movies. I loved them. I, I, mean, I come thought on. they were great. And, uh, you know, vanilla ice, uh, you know, rock oh soundtrack God. on the first one. I mean, it was just, it was really fantastic. Uh, which Ninja turtle rap. do I, which, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Which, uh, which turtle did I do? Oh, Michelangelo. You it's know, it's always Michelangelo. Always Who? Michelangelo. Okay. So Karen, I don't, I'm not sure quite how old you are, but I will tell you that it's a really good way to figure out who a good friend is. If someone says that they like, like Donatello or Raphael or something, they're not as good a friend as somebody who says they like Michelangelo. Okay. <laughs> if someone says they like Michelangelo, maybe you don't like Michelangelo. That's okay. I'm just saying you want to be around Michelangelo people. If there's someone out there who says that their favorite Ninja Turtle is Michelangelo, you know, that's a good person. 
that's the people you want to stick with by the way spider-man i freaking love spider-man spider-man's my dude forever um i enjoy all media spider-man i, yes. I yeah and and, it's, and again i enjoyed teenage mutant ninja turtles quite a bit i'm not saying they're bad or not good i just love spider-man In, into the spider-verse was one of the films oh we saw you know sort of like that movie's sick that, that was one of the last uh or, or i should say more recent movies that we saw pre-pandemic you know in a theater so good it was fantastic i'm yeah. not so sure we didn't go back and see that one a second time and i went into it like we went to see it frankly because our daughter wanted to see it sure uh and was like oh okay all right fine and and i mean i like spider-man spider-man was one of the comics i had as a kid um but i'm not like the biggest spider-man fan on the planet you know yeah. like he's you're not me top top, top <laughs> 10 no, i mean he's you know top 10 in my comic book character pantheon probably but but uh we walked out of the theater i'm like that is legitimately one of the best movies i've ever seen it was yeah, really it's, good it's incredibly creative and fun and all the characters are great and it's, yeah i love it um so this one's from matt uh so with all of ua's money why is maryland never thought to use teenage mutant ninja turtles as a marketing ploy uh teenage mutant ninja, teenage maryland ninja turtles the terrapins has a certain appeal to it <laughs> they might generate some juice in the recruiting i don't know why they haven't done that i know that the guy who's who wrote it or started it is still like he maintains the copyright and still does occasional comics i think he, he's um he, uh I don't know. Maybe they should. And and by the way, I, I still my favorite uh Walt Keys um game oh, day posters God, are always yes. the always. are always the Illabuck ones. Those so good. Another and see that's the other thing. Like maybe maybe we need to do some branding with Illabuck, uh with Teenage Mutant Turtles. <laughs> I don't know. Um get just get in, instead of the wooden turtle one year, right? Because they, they replace them all the time. Just replace it with a giant statue, a giant life-size statue of Michelangelo the ninja turtle instead and just run for that for like a decade that would be pretty cool i think um this is also from karen who saw the lebron cleveland browns commercial on youtube if lebron decided to be done in the nba could ryan day offer him a football scholarship no I well so. i looked this up i don't know whether he could or couldn't why couldn't he do that God, because it just feels like something that the NCAA has figured out a way to screw up. I, I mean, I, you're, I think he, could. I mean, you're, he doesn't I mean, have eligibility. Right. He didn't go to college, right? He doesn't have eligibility that he's wasted. Or, or but, but he's up. he's already signed with an agent, though, right? Like, isn't I that guess. the? Isn't but that it, but the, in basketball, does it does it matter? I don't know. I honestly would assume because you would assume that he had the same he would have the same agent for football that he would. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) But here's the thing, though: if LeBron James said, "I'm going to college. I'm done with the NBA. I want to play. I want to play college," do you think they would find a way to like to do that? Well, I think one of the questions I still have is, you know, we LeBron has his locker, uh, you know, with the team and has been an unabashed supporter of the Buckeyes. But do you, in your heart of hearts? really think that if he had been playing college ball that he would have played in columbus oh no no i mean well and we're talking about football though right because because kieran saw the lebron cleveland browns commercial yeah okay all right all right all right all right well no you're right no i agree with you i I mean as much as he says he's a big ohio state supporter i mean he would he'd he'd have been a duke or carolina yeah sure right no i agree with that but 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. He's now, a professional. Now, that said, I think if he was playing, if he was, if, if he was playing college football, yeah, he'd have been at Ohio State. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I don't question that at all. But I question whether or not he would have played college basketball at Ohio yeah, State. I'm just cynical enough that I'm <laughs> not so fast, my friend. Yeah, and and to answer Kieran's question, I I actually yeah, he probably Brian Day probably could not do it because of his professional status, I guess. But I just I want to envision a world where it's possible. Let me put it that way. Um, and then this last one here, then Matt has a follow-up. Uh, would you rather line LeBron up at DE and let him go Alvin Mack, Wyatt Davis tie-in uh, on whoever is in the backfield or line him up as a flex TE? Um, well, he could well, catch anything, you'd think, right? Like, Well, you would hope that they would throw to him. Um, but I assume <laughs> that would be the, that's not what it would take to get him to throw. Wouldn't that be him. hilarious, though? <laughs> LeBron James somehow defies all expectations skirts around ncaa rules and, and is granted in his 40th year of life he's a blocking <laughs> how old he is when he retires to play for the ohio state football buckeyes <laughs> lines up at te and then ryan day refuses to throw to him for the entire season he's a blocking te he has two catches for like five yards that I, would I just, be the funniest thing that has ever happened in college football and i hope it would happen um I, talent wise you got to put him at de he's just he's too good physically in terms of like body control and all that he'll just catch anything his hands are too good you, you can't you can't put him on defense that's a waste you gotta yeah, put him no. on offense. and and i honestly i don't yeah i don't see him i don't see him on the defensive side of the ball he's a playmaker um, yeah, yeah and i i found this interesting i was looking at a, a bleacher report article from back in like 2017 or something about his football days at mm-hmm. st vincent st mary and in just two full season of varsity football, he uh, at the time still ranked seventh in school history with 27 career touchdowns, oh my God. third in career receptions with 99, and all state honors in both of his. Yeah, it's pretty seasons. good. I mean, <laughs> guy was just, I mean, what a, like, I just, what, it, what a, I mean, I know the dude's been injured a little bit as of late, but like, he's older than I am. And, I remember, you know, when the Lakers won the championship and I'm just watching them just completely ball out in the series. And, and yeah, it's weird because there aren't fans or whatever, but like people really need to go back and watch that. Mm-hmm. Like some of the highlights of that, because this is a guy who is at the point in his career where most most other dudes in the NBA who have played the kind of minutes that he's played and accrued the kind of like just physical damage that he's accrued. They're done. They've been out of the league for like four or five years at that point when you're talking about that kind of minutes logged and he is still, if not the best, one of the top three best players in the league. And he's 36 years old. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know how it's possible. And it's, it is, you can have this argument about who's the best of all time or whatever, but what you're seeing just in terms of longevity and sustained excellence, I can't think of anything comparable to that like at all like i know uh, you know you'll talk about baseball players who play for like 25 years fine it's not like this it is not like this i have never ever in my life seen something like that Mm -hmm. um so it's just a joy to watch lebron play and i do hope that somehow he skirts ncaa rules and and suits up (laughs) i think that would be very funny and i hope it happens so um so we want to thank Matt, Kieran, and of course our good friend Alvin for sending in those questions. Please consent, uh, continue sending those questions throughout the offseason. They're fantastic. We love them. Uh, and uh, yeah, that'll do it for this week. So we'll be back next time. We'll talk about maybe the aftermath spring game, what the upcoming draft looks like, all that good stuff. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.